0: A Sickness in Time by M.F. Thomas and Nicholas Thurkettle Narrated by Roseanne Sinclair Chapter 1 White Mountain National Forest, New Hampshire 2015 There There was the first In the slowly purpling dusk A tiny pinpoint of white had appeared Had it switched on like a lamp? No. Maria Kerrigan knew. It had come into sight gradually, each minute making her wonder. Are you there? Are you real? Until finally there could be no doubt, and another night had shown its first star. She fixed her eyes on it for a time, enjoying its singularity. She knew it would be only minutes before it had company. Out here, in the clear mountains, it would have so much company. She sipped her coffee, and her campfire popped. Down at the other campsites, she heard some chatter from groups and families drifting up into the air with the smoke from their fires. But she and her star were going to have a conversation all their own. She lay back on her elbows and tilted her head towards the nearest peak. A second star had faded in right above it. The star's light could outlive the stars themselves. So what she was looking at were their ghostly echoes. They affect her the same either way. Suddenly she turned her gaze back down from the sky and frowned. She splashed the coffee into the fire pit, earning an angry hiss from the logs and cinched a blanket up around herself. She stared into the beguiling flames and didn't look up again, even as the last of the sun-legged ten abandoned them all. Purple became black and sparkling glories revealed themselves. All the colors change with nightfall. In daytime, the forests of the White Mountains were a celebration of autumnal shades a riot of natural fireworks frozen in time. This display stood out all the more against the severe granite of the peaks beyond, as if the trees were owning and reveling in their fleeting beauty before more vast and eternal things. At night, the colors deepened, muddled together, and became mysterious. The forest, to human eyes, became all dark on dark shapes. It seemed so much more a child of the mountains then, retreating into those high, shadowed backdrops. Maria couldn't say she liked the sound of the woods at night. It didn't make her happy or peaceful. It was more that she felt compelled towards it these days. Too long at home, and the restlessness would start. And then she would pack up the car and drive out of town. These days... Rather than store her tent and bag in her garage, she would take them out at home, clean them, and put them right back in the car. The wind was picking up, and she walked a circle around her tent, checking the lines and spikes. Stepping wide to avoid tripping over a line, her foot came down in the darkness on top of a rounded rock and turned. She stumbled, her ankle throbbing in complaint and she cursed quietly to herself. Even as she turned her foot to test for injury, she felt her left hand snake down towards her leg out of old instinct, searching for a 341. 341s. It had been 12 years since her basic military training with the Air Force at Lackland, and the drilling of those two months still hid in her muscles and in her mind. The 341 was a trainee report. Every day on drills, you were required to keep three blank 341s folded precisely in fourths, in the left cargo pocket of your pants. A TI or anyone else authorized to demand one if they wanted to register an official compliment or demerit against something you had done. They never registered one as a compliment. To be told to reach for a 341 became one of those ominous fears that followed a cadet everywhere, from the jogging trails to the mess hall to their own dorms, as they aggressively swept away the Texas dust that returned every damn day. To go through BMT was to learn that you could fail in ways that you couldn't possibly have imagined before. After a couple of weeks, though, Maria had started to see the point, that the stringent even sometimes arbitrary, demands and threats had a larger purpose, to break her out of old ways, teach her how to bond with her squadron under round-the-clock stress, though overt attempts to confuse and divide them. More importantly, she learned that even a 341 filled out completely didn't count without a signature. So a lot of the so-called demerits were just scare tactics. That knowledge didn't stop her from imagining the barks of a T.I. over her shoulder even years later, and didn't stop after some especially stupid mistakes, her left arm from twitching down towards paper she no longer carried, in a pocket that didn't even exist on these pants. She pressed the leg down firmly into the ground. The ankle was fine. It was sore, but that was nothing. You could work through sore. Her circuit complete, she slipped off her boots, entered the tent, checked her watch, set an alarm, and fell asleep almost immediately. Most people came up here to get away from alarms. Not Maria. She moved through the woods as much by sound and feel as sight. The creek was somewhere ahead. During the day, you could whack your way to it in probably a half hour without much experience, even if you weren't supposed to. By night was a different story. The darkness up here could be staggering. So could the quiet, or rather, the new curtain of noises that emerged once your ears adjusted themselves to the lack of civilization. Night vision was common parlance, but not enough people talked about night hearing. This was against park rules. Once she awoke to her alarm at 10.30 p.m., she emerged from her tent, zipped on her layers and laced up her boots and tromped off the campsite into the wilderness, which was at least three 341s worth of trouble. It would probably merit a washout, too. Not the psych-out ones where they came and took you back at the last minute, but a real... Don't let it hit you where the Lord split you, Wash out. Still, the Air Force didn't own her anymore, and she was compelled to do it. Her brain told her to seek out water in the night, and she was going to do it because her brain telling her to do anything but drink was a thing to be encouraged. She crunched ahead, trying not to disturb the carpet of first fallen leaves, but finding it impossible to avoid them. Yeah, she thought to herself, better that you know I'm coming, critters. Maria's in the woods. The temperature was dropping, and she couldn't move fast, but she enjoyed the brisk shivers, the palpably chilly air cupping her face. She enjoyed moving with all four limbs engaged, feeling her way around skinny tree trunks, balancing in case of a false step. And she enjoyed... Loved really moving her legs. All the taunts and sideway whispers she had heard in high school about her full, round thighs, the time she had given up wearing dresses and skirts completely, all those weak and frightened memories had been put away the first time she out squatted half the men at Lackland. Now, as far as Maria was concerned, Anyone who wanted to joke about her legs or her butt was welcome to do so from the dust cloud behind her on the jogging trail. Maria knew that the Appalachian Trail cut through these mountains, and for a sweet moment she speculated on how she ought to have a go at that business someday. It sounded ideal. Just months and months of letting her legs pull her through the mud, over mountaintops, past fat tourists with too much gear, Finally, the sound of the creek swelled enough to wash out the others. She knew she was close. Despite her caution, her steps picked up. She didn't know why the little creek excited her, or it seemed to call her, only that it did, and that she would answer. It was not always her business to make sense of her orders. That much she knew. There it was, There it had been for who knows how long, burbling its path through the woods, around rocks and reeds, housing bugs and fish, ferrying the dead leaves, always one way from some peak to some pond. Maria couldn't help seeing the creek as a little like an alien universe. Growing up in a desert that some folks had conquered and called a suburb, She hadn't seen water doing its business this way until she was an adult. Sometimes a hydrant blew, and she had seen the water trickling in little piss rivulets down the pavement looking for a sewer grate. And of course there were the flash storms. There was nothing like a flood to make you believe that there was an almighty and that he, she, or it was ticked off. But this something perpetual enough to hold lifetimes in it something that shaped the land with patience this was very different Maria felt strangely wary as she walked to the creek's edge she found a flat craggy slab of rock and stepped onto it another just two hops away this one big and dry enough for a sit down she sat and immediately felt the stones chill smack right on the ass. She snorted, clenched her teeth defiantly, and kept on sitting. She hugged her arms around herself in the middle of the flow and listened for whatever the hell it was she was hoping to hear. Rustling, bubbling, the movements of air and wind, the tiniest chatters and buzzes, these were all the sounds, They seemed so small in the face of the quiet. Even on Maria's perch, surrounded by the ever-carrying creek, the silence was massive. It was a funny contradiction, and Maria followed the thought. If silence was the lack of sound, if silence was emptiness, how could it seem so big and bottomless? How could it seem to hold so much? "'Another contradiction. "'What could be inside nothing? "'Suddenly a violent shiver started in her. "'It was far beyond the shake of a cold night. "'The tremor started around her rib cage "'and rammed full speed into the fortress wall of her composure. "'She was chastising herself "'before the first tear could even threaten to come. "'No,' she told herself. "'Don't be weak, Kerrigan.' Nothing can get you here. She knew that wasn't true. Her hand started to quiver. She brought it down on the rock with a thwack. It hurt like a furious bitch. That was stupid, Maria, she thought. But at least it was a thought and not panic. Whatever she was searching for, it wasn't out here. She put a foot under her and started to stand. Her foot slipped on a wet spot on the rock. Her body fell forward, and her head hit another rock. She rolled over onto her back and looked up at the sky, blood welling out of her forehead. The water all around her, soaking and pulling. The night going blurry. Stupider and stupider Maria, she thought, and then stopped thinking for a while. Pain never wakes you up politely. When Maria's brain finally plugged back in, her head was stomping mad with her, and the cold had gone beyond character building. Whether or not she had ever experienced worse was not a question that helped at all. This whole scenario had gone from peaceful to suck, PDQ. She pulled herself to shore and stripped off her jacket, plus the sweater, shirt, and bra underneath, She shook off the jacket, which was water-repellent, and put that back on over her bare torso, fumbling with zippers with her tingling fingers. She didn't fancy traipsing through the woods pantsless, so she pulled them off, wrung them out as best she could, and put them back on. If she could keep her core warm and gut out the rest, all would be well. Now the question was which way to go. She remembered enough to find where she had stepped into the creek, but as she tried to trace her progress back through the dark, the memories were jumbled. Landmarks were things of the imagination in darkness like this, and whereas before the sound of the creek could lure her towards it, it was useless now as a means to guide her back. She was more annoyed than panicked. She had been through survival school, and as cold as it was, it was too early in the season for life-threatening temperatures. This would just be a long, irritating, uncomfortable night, and as far as Maria was concerned, she deserved no less. As she searched for signs of her own outbound steps, she thought about impulsiveness. The number of times that she had been told she could not or should not do something and then had become bird-flipping determined to do just that thing. It probably came from her Salvadorian mother, who had raised two children on her own after her charming Irish rogue of a husband had decided that the rogue side of him had priority over the husband's side. Mama had heard plenty from people who were generous with their opinions of what she couldn't do, and that's the spirit Maria had been reared in. Had that been the reason she had left the campsite on this hike? For all she thought about solitude and listening to the sound of nature, was she just rebelling against some stupid warning sign she had glimpsed somewhere? Sounds about right, she thought, pushing a branch out of the way. Many, many stars were out now. Maria wondered why she wasn't back in front of the campfire, looking at them or just sleeping damn it and would it really have been so bad if she had just stayed the hell home for a couple of days is that regret asked a voice in her head shut up she mumbled audibly and then caught her foot on a root and pitched forward again damn was she ever sick of falling in the dark Something strange was under her fingertips as she readied to push herself back up. A hard, straight edge. Funny how a straight line could feel like an intruder in nature, but there it was, metallic and almost sharp. That was what had caught her notice. A rock could be split by water or worn flat or rounded out, but that long, straight, sharp line was uncannily human. Curiosity can intervene in any moment of a person's life. Maria remembered collapsing once during drill because she hadn't hydrated properly. And even as her brain spun and her body turned to noodles, there was a part of her that saw this little wisp of a cloud in the sky. The tiniest cloud, the only cloud around. In finding that just so interesting. So, cold and ticked off, she decided that she needed to know what this thing was, even if she could only learn by touch. The thing was a flat slab, about two feet by one, stuck in the ground and mostly covered by dirt. It reminded her of a grave marker, and on that impulse, she ran her fingers over the top. She felt grooves, markings, that were probably letters, gouged into the surface. She squinted and brushed at a section, but only saw numbers. Digging down, she found the underside. The object was about four or five inches thick and a heavy bitch. She wondered if it was some kind of surveying marker or something left by the park service. She didn't know who else might leave something like this in the middle of a mountain forest, but she also didn't know why anyone would leave something of this shape and size at all. Something about the letters nagged at her. In markers, she was used to. The letters were raised off the surface, not carved in. And the smoothness of it, the way it seemed to resist the elements, was so damned weird. If nothing else, the perplexing thing had stopped her from shivering for a couple of minutes. She sighed, mentally weighed the mystery of it against its very heavy sumbitchness. She was pretty sure she knew which was going to win, and she wasn't happy about it. Anyone still awake at the campsite would probably think Maria was a bear coming out of the trees, staggering and groaning. Wouldn't that be the perfect ending for tonight's adventure, she thought. Some coward with more shot than sense decides to make a rug out of me. She was in that miserable state of shivering and sweating all at once, still lugging her stupid find as she had done the whole winding blind walk back. She reached her campsite and let the thing drop in the dirt. Then she slipped into her tent, stripped, put all of her wet clothes in a bag, and slid naked into her sleeping bag. Inside that cocoon, her circulation began to return. She groped her big flashlight and her bag, found the first aid kit inside, and started probing herself for wounds. Any place she found blood, she quickly wiped, spread ointment on, and slapped a bandage over. Her care probably wasn't accurate, And it was definitely overkill, but she'd give herself a better once over in the morning. She found her clean flannel shirt in her bag and slipped that into her sleeping bag with her, which did just enough to take her from Holy Jesus cold to A-OK. And maybe, if she had thought for a few seconds more, she would have made up her mind to slip back out and drag in the mystery marker she'd gone to so much trouble to get here but this was it for Maria rack time to hell with everything that was in sleep nature and sleeping in didn't mix for Maria the sun was just too in charge even on misty mornings like that one she could have stayed in that bag three more hours with no complaint but the light was on her and her body was just too used to being up She pulled on warm-up pants and stepped out to start making coffee. After her first step out of the tent, she stubbed her toe on the big metal hunk that had quickly become the bane of her whole existence. She would have kicked the thing if her foot wasn't already hurting enough to remind her she'd surely break it if she tried. So finally she sat down in the dirt to read the thing, pledging to haul it back to the creek and chuck it in if what it had to say wasn't worthwhile. Along the top it read, White Mountain National Park, 44 degrees, 16 minutes, 12 seconds north, 71 degrees, 12 minutes, 0 seconds west, 1-1-1999. Maria figured the coordinates for latitude and longitude and by a quick reckoning, they seemed likely to be accurate within a few clicks of where she had found the thing. If the date had been when it was placed, it seemed an odd time to be lugging big engraved markers through the woods since the parks were closed and the mountains covered in snow. Below the coordinates it read, Please deliver in person to Dr. Weldon Qualls, Department of Physics, Princeton University. Then send confirmation to and listed a P.O. box, followed by next marker with another series of coordinates, and then a series of letters and numbers, followed by please provide, and another series of letters and numbers. Maria couldn't stand the rudeness of the thing. Princeton? That's a seven hour drive. She wanted to yell at it for being so presumptive and inscrutable at the same time. Why couldn't it explain itself more? If the thing had been truly placed there over 16 years ago, how likely was it that Dr. Weldon Qualls was even still at Princeton? What kind of prank involved putting it in the woods instead of just taking it to him themselves? Maria decided she was going to really hold Dr. Qualls' feet to the fire when she got to Princeton. Then she stomped over to her camp stove to make that coffee. The day had already gone too damn long without it. A Sickness in Time by M.F. Thomas and Nicholas Therkettle Narrated by Roseanne Sinclair. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Learn more about the novel by visiting www.sicknessandtime.com.